Have you ever wondered what Vedic astrology, Western astrology, your vagus nerve, and the alignment of the earth all have to do with your presence and your alignment? Well, you're going to love this episode because we hear from Melanie Welliner, who is the body whisperer, a vagus nerve expert, and here to talk about fearless presence. Join us to find out more. Well, hello and welcome everybody to another episode of Soul Nectar Show. That show where we talk about all things essence, where we gather around the campfire and we share our stories of connection to that, which is bigger than us, to the great mystery beyond the veil, to those synchronistic moments that lead us inexorably to a deeper understanding of ourselves and others. I'm your host, Carrie Hummingbird, and I've been doing these conversations for over seven years now and just coming here week after week and having conversations with beautiful experts that have a different perspective, a different slice into how we can live a really good life. And one of the things that I think we're all realizing is that the old ways of of coming into a situation aren't really going to work for us anymore because Life is so fast paced that you can't actually study all the data that you need to study in order to know every single last little bit in your mind that you would need to know in order to walk into a situation and provide brilliant answers. And so how do you provide brilliant answers if you don't haven't studied it from your mind and had all the certifications and all the degrees and all the information and read all the studies and that way of going is kind of walking out the door because we have this other potential that many of us are tapping into, which is the brilliance that happens when you're really aligned correctly inside of yourself with your soul's brilliance, with your soul wisdom, with your wisdom, your knowledge that comes from beyond your lifetime, from beyond this vessel that comes from a place of deep listening and deep knowing inside called intuition, intuition, and that that intuition can really open up so many potentials to make a decision in the moment when you don't have all the facts in your mind. And this is where people are right now is being in a position of needing to tap into something greater. And so we're going to hear about this today. I'm really excited. We have Melanie Weller with us today. Welcome, Melanie. Thank you, Carrie. I'm so excited to be back. You know, Melanie and I met years ago at a podcasting conference and it was just random. We sat next to each other and I was like, hi, who are you? I'm Carrie Hummingbird. What's your name? And we started talking. We realized we had a lot in common and it was just wonderful. And uh, Melanie, I think, came on in Skills Not Pills and, and helped out with that when I was doing that movement. And so now we are here on Soul Nitro Show to talk about this fearless presence and what Melanie is trying to help people get is to bring their expertise together with their intuition, connect our belief systems, how those live in our nervous system, having to do also with our astrology. So like you guys know, we have like an innate design, like we have a unique design, each one of us based on the time and date of our birth. And we have two different 
astrological systems that tell us about ourselves. We have the Vedic astrology and we have the Western astrology. And Melanie also has this amazing background as a body whisperer and a vagus nerve expert. So we'll hear a little bit about what vagus nerve is just in case you guys don't know. And she's kind of woven all of this together into one offering called Fearless Presence to help you show up with your brilliance, right, Melanie? So tell Absolutely. us where, wherever you want to start, tell us more because I know people are intrigued. Well, Fearless Presence, the reason we remember ancient systems like the Vedas and Western astrology and ancient mythologies is because they were told as stories. We're not wired for facts. We're not wired for data. We are wired for story. And that's just the hard neuroscience of it. And the same neurotransmitter sequence we need for change is the same one a good story takes us through. I love that. I'm a storyteller, so that makes me really happy. Absolutely. That's why storytelling has been medicine for all of time. And in a thousand years, nobody's going to remember all of the data we've collected, but they will remember our stories. And I really came to treat people's stories over the years through being an athletic trainer and then a physical therapist and ending up with the people that nobody else could figure out. And it didn't, my husband used to be in the Navy. It didn't matter where we moved. They all found me. You couldn't be figured out. You ended up in, in my office or wherever I was working. <laughs> and it was an incredible gift because I heard the themes you know, the same stories from different people about what was going on and to really be able to change how their stories were living in their body and their nervous systems. And when you treat somebody's physical body, sometimes their story will change. But when you treat their story, their physical body will always change. That is totally true. That is very, very true. I've experienced that actually. Changing my story changed my whole life. Absolutely. Yeah. You will get, you get the most tangible results from story and medicine is really just missing out on leveraging story because we are all amazing storytellers. If we were wired for facts, the pandemic and politics and everything would look really different than it does. So we are wired for story. And I think that's because we have perspective, right? We have different perspectives and the perspective influences what you think about the facts. <laughs> so, oh, absolutely. And your what's happening inside your body, because our brains are 80% from our body to our brain, they're only 80% input, they're only 20% output. How that information gets filtered and distorted and woven from your body up to your brain determines how the, the reality that you experience. Yeah. And so when you want to change your reality, it, that's why it has to do with the body too, right? Like it has to do with the body because we got to change the way the body's wiring the information. Absolutely. You're, the biggest pivotal moment in my professional career was treating, you know, and I was somebody who collected all the credentials and all the certifications. And, you know, like some people collected wine, I collected certifications. And I studied with experts all over the world. And then I had my own life crumbling apart. And it was like none of my expertise mattered. And one day I had a patient walk into my office who had a suicide planned for that evening. He was living in a nightmare of a hallucination and nobody else was willing to help him or had was willing, I say willing or able to help him to that point. And we had a mutual contact that said, oh, you need to go see Melanie. But I had no advanced 
information that this was his situation. I thought maybe he had back pain or something like that. So he comes into my office and I got him set up with a psychiatrist that I trusted. And, you know, like, I mean, it was, you know, physical therapy is not the go-to profession for hallucinations. Usually, you know, this was beyond the scope of what I knew that I could help. And still I thought, okay, I'll just decompress his vagus nerve, my heart. I couldn't send him away. I was like, I have to, you know, like, I'll just make you feel a little bit better right now. And I'll help get you the to people that will listen to you. And 90 minutes later, he walked out 90% better. Wow. And I walked out with my fearless presence. And I brought all of myself to the table that day. I brought my clinical expertise. I brought my intuition. And a miracle happened. That's amazing. And, yeah. And it had to do with your, your tapping into something greater, this greater absolute, wisdom. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it was, even though I did give him some very striking intuitive information because I have some, you know, I understand that I have some skills in that department, but really I just fully showed up. I didn't just put my work hat on and show up with my work hat. I showed up with all of my humanity, my professional knowledge, my intuition, my heart, my soul, my fearless presence. And I just witnessed where he was and held space for the possibility that it didn't have to be like this. And he didn't lead with, I'm planning my suicide tonight. You know, he just was, he couldn't make eye contact and he was very, very stressed about everything that was going on and how nobody would listen to him. And I just said, okay, well, we're, you know, I'm just, I'm very good at treating what I find. Like, I was like, all right, I'm just going to be present here. And I used, he had, you know, through my evaluation process, I would say that his vagus nerve was beyond compressed, that it was locked down. Like he was in a very extreme state of vagus nerve compression, which was objectively measurable through his biomechanics in his body. And my theory on all of this, because I've seen it so many times now, is that when we get really locked down, his body essentially felt sort of dead to me energetically under my hands. And his range of motion was so limited you could metaphorically say that he was in some rigor mortis. So he was dead at some level on the inside and his external drive to kill himself was just trying to match what was happening inside. That makes so much sense because I've had that feeling before, like when I felt suicidal, I finally realized, oh, I'm actually not suicidal. There's just a part of me that's dying. And if I facilitate that part to die and alchemize that I will be back on track. And that's exactly what happened when I started realizing those feelings are just telling me that there's something inside of me that actually is transforming, alchemizing and dying. Absolutely. That, And we, you know, but when you get an acute onset of it, that, it that can make leads you, you in a gigantic hallucination, you don't have the bandwidth to to problem solve in that way. No, it's very Usually, scary you know, in the moment. Yeah, Absolutely. And so I really, you know, and this is my own journey too, into my own fearless presence and not hiding, you know, like I would always lead with my credentials and then, but everybody came to me for my secret skills. Right. <laughs> as mo- as many women have experienced, let's just say how many of us, yes. right? Raise your hands, everybody. <laughs> and as I was, all of this was unfolding, I knew there was something logical happening here, like, or that there was a pattern 
that, you know, that this wasn't random information that I was getting, you know, that there was something bigger happening here. And I stepped away from my practice to just do some reading and figure out how I, because I needed to show up more authentically. And I, it wasn't clear to me how to do that. And I read a book that talked about the Egyptian myth of Isis and Osiris and how the numbers in that myth are the numbers in the Earth's processional cycle. And it tells the story of how the stars move and how the Earth moves. And so it's a story of the science. And it inspired a very physical therapist kind of thought after I read it that I was like, oh, well, what's 23? The Earth right now is at about a 23 and a half degree tilt. And I said, oh, what's 20? Thought, well, what's 23 and a half degrees from the midline of the body? And I've worked with the vagus nerve for many years. That's been the core of my practice is treating it like a pinched nerve within the body. And where the vagus nerve exits the base of the skull is 23 and a half degrees from the center of where the spinal cord does. And I know from my biomechanical knowledge, I could rattle off all sorts of 23 and a half and 47 degree angles throughout the body and of structures that are in areas that are very common reasons that people end up in the doctor's office such as dizziness, knee pain, lung issues. I could, anyway, you know, the, they, it goes with big chunks of common medical conditions as well. And then I, in the midst of my own hot mess in my early 40s, I was started studying astrology to figure out what was going on with me. And I put together how our anatomy mimics the zodiac. And it was just there in plain sight. Like the ventricles in our brain look like the ram's horns that represent Aries. And in astrology, Aries rules the head. And our throat anatomy looks like the Taurus bull and Taurus rules the throat. And our aortic arches are the same shape as the symbol for Leo and Leo rules the heart. And the story of Leo is an archetypal story of blood flow. It's about heart valves. And Libra rules the kidneys and our kidneys sit in our low back like a set of scales, which is the sign that represents Libra. And in the US and Australia, at least, the the populations with the highest levels of social injustice have the highest levels of kidney disease. So we embody the stress of social injustice at the level of the kidneys. That is trippy right there, what you just said. That's amazing. It's really, it's so, when you really zoom out into the population level effects of it, it's glaringly obvious or where we've damaged people's energetic structures through patriarchal and colonial oppression and other, you know, authoritarian paradigms. And also being disconnected from the earth, right? I mean, what you're talking about is like being out of harmony with earth's alignment. And that you're having being, yes, physical challenges because you're out of touch with the earth's alignment. Well, and this is where the research is so amazing because there's research that shows that when solar and space weather disrupt the electromagnetic field of the earth, it is measurable in our vagus nerves. And the extent to which it's measurable depends on the strength of our interpersonal connections. So there, your vagus nerve, I loved your introduction because your vagus nerve is that the physical structure that connects you with the bigger picture. And there's research to support that. And, you know, the earth rotates one degree on the ecliptic every 72 years and the average carrying angle in our elbows is 72 degrees. And this is part of the, in the Egyptian myth of Isis and Osiris that had his 72 soldiers carry Osiris in a coffin to be thrown into the Nile River. He was alive. They shut him in the coffin alive, but they carried him with those 
that 72 degree carrying angle and you know and that's the also the procession of the earth and we are all we are our bodies mimic the earth our bodies mimic the cosmos our bodies mimic the zodiac head to toe in the order of the zodiac in glaringly obvious fashion and what i started doing then was playing with using that as a creating a form of i created a form of energy medicine out of that and because i know how to measure the before and after i was getting amazing biomechanical transformations in people by treating the zodiacal framework in their body like their zodiacal skeleton within and so fast forward a little bit i've been teaching nervous like a very evidence based nervous system regulation also but bringing it together the nervous system regulation with the astrology so that you are really treating your story and you're treating the way that you are wired like we know the sun is information for plants and for us you know we make vitamin d with the sunlight but the moon and the stars are also information for us. And we have so much light pollution that we really miss out on our connection with that. And when we take our first breath, we're breathing in that information. And that information informs our nervous system and creates what we call personality, gives us an output of that information that that we call personality and sets uh, you know, we have a lot of bandwidth to change within that. You know, we can be stuck in the shadow expression of it, perhaps, or, you know, we can certainly we find some of our gifts. And sometimes we end up kind of over the top excessive with things too. But knowing how to work with your own nervous system and your own story, combining these, the modern science and the esoteric systems is pure magic and just endlessly joyful. Yeah, I think that what's the most exciting about it is that you can see how you were intended to be. Absolutely. I mean, it really does uncover your highest potential. And I think any any of our problems, whether they're physical or emotional, spiritual or whatever, are, I, I think can often be summarized as resisting our own expansion in our ever-expanding universe. Yeah, and that and seeing ourselves as part of that ever expanding universe, you know, seeing ourselves as that massive. I think that, you know, we get so trapped down in tiny little details. Like you said, this man was closed in on himself. When we get closed down on ourselves and we get tighter and constricted and like more narrow and more focused in that area, we lose this opportunity, don't we, to like really figure out, expand and discover the potentials that we have right in, in our own design right inside of us, but we maybe try to conform with other people. Like you were talking about the patriarchal systems. We try to conform with these expectations and these ideas, and that's not really true for us. And so we're not in alignment, just like if we're not on the earth, we're not in alignment with her. We're not in alignment with the, the planet we live on that we're part of. And when we're not in alignment with ourselves, it causes disease, right? I mean, it causes disease to oh, not be in alignment. Absolutely. Well, and I will say that even... You know, I have seen plenty of people that have seen astrologers who told them that the rest of their life was going to be terrible and didn't give them another option for how to interpret the energies. And that's not serving somebody because everything has an incredible potential. And my favorite thing that I've learned from dabbling in or from going between Western and Vedic astrology is that Vedic astrology really describes your inner workings. And Western astrology 
describes how you show up in the world or how the world sees you. And it's that rub between our inner and outer expressions of ourselves that causes any dysfunction. We all get that. How we feel on the inside versus what we're doing on the outside creates a lot of stress when we're pretending it's okay. That's not okay. That's really stressful on your body or when things don't don't make sense. And ultimately, I think really appreciating that our what our nervous systems really love is contrast. Neurons fire, they don't. And you would not go see a movie or read a book and go rave about it to your friends if it did not have enough contrast in it. And your nervous system will not let you live a dull story. I love that. Your nervous system will not let you live a dull story because it is all about contrast. We live in a dualistic universe, right? And we're here experiencing how to balance that, you know, these two polar opposite energies. And there's always this duality that we're contending with. And we can walk the middle way because the middle way is really about like embracing the whole spectrum, the whole duality. And that's kind of what you're talking about here. It's like embracing the esoteric and the medical, the factual and the the story, you know, the metaphorical, the the astrology outer and the astrology inner. It's like embracing arms around all of that. Absolutely. And I find that when you can savor the contrast, whatever it is, or enjoy contrast in the present moment, like purple against yellow or red against green or the color, you know, this decision, that decision, you know, flowers versus concrete, (laughs) that you just enjoy the contrast that's very nourishing to your nervous system. And then your nervous system is less likely to go create some giant drama that knocks you upside the head because you are paying attention to the contrast. And you're nourishing yourself with contrast at smaller levels, which helps smooth out the expression at the bigger levels. And when we try to avoid contrast and only live in, let's say, positive land, (laughs) We are, we're, we're ruling out like half of the emotions you could be feeling. And we're trying not to feel those while we're only trying to feel the positive things. And so we get, we actually are diminishing ourselves by doing that, aren't we? We're like, we're cutting off half of us. Well, and resilience, like in some of the research, they've shown that one measure of resilience is in our amygdala, which are mostly, most widely known for our fear responses and increasing our cortisol levels. And people that are more resilient, their amygdala make more dopamine, which is the reward chemical. So you could say they're getting a little bit of reward from seeing the contrast of somebody suffering, which is why we all go to the movies or read a book, is for that contrast. They just are a resilient brain is able to get that out of real life at some level. Pain and pleasure are processed very, like literally in some of the same parts of the brain. And so you have to be able to stimulate both and to really uh, appreciate, or at least you have to be able to at least see it and, you know, and be like, be really willing to see it and engage with it. And at the end of the day, I love Carolyn Elliott's perspective on this, that we all get what our subconscious wants, not what our conscious self wants. And that having is evidence of wanting. 
And whatever you have, your subconscious is deriving enormous amounts of pleasure from that. And the way that you have to to break that cycle is to feel into the pleasure you're getting from the thing that you don't want. So in my world for years, this has shown up as people who say they feel great after I have a session, they have a session with me, and then they feel terrible a day or two or three days later. And it's just not safe for them to be better. Like joy and health can be threatening to our nervous systems because it doesn't work on logic. Anything that's different is going to be threatening. We're just wired for what's familiar. So if chaos and disorder and pain is familiar, that's what you're going to gravitate towards. You have to really teach your nervous system that it is safe in order to get past that point. And very often our goals and dreams, they might feel incredible in our logical brain, but they are not safe in our nervous systems. And so we create obstacles and sabotage ourselves. Yeah, and that's a subconscious thing, right? Like that's just like Absolutely. It's not, right. It has nothing to do with logic. It's completely, you know, this is your deeper brain that just trying to keep you safe, but it's all a protective response, procrastination, perfectionism, overwhelm, you know, ADD, ADHD, all those things are very much protective responses trying to keep our nervous systems safe. And there are very good evidence-based techniques to rewire your nervous system so that you can create more safety. And your vagus nerve really creates the internal map of your body in your brain. And it's tied to the memory centers in your brain, your hippocampus. And so, and our brains are predictive. So if you don't have a clear map, it becomes very difficult to predict what's going to happen based on past, you know, what's happening in the present and and your past experiences. If you don't have that memory really well tied from your vagus nerve into your hippocampus. And so then everything can become a threat if you don't have that clear map. Which is why people get nervous about the situation we have on the planet right now is that everything is crumbling down and changing. And they're trying to like, some people are trying to hold on to the old and like scramble back to the old normal. That old normal is gone. And the only way to move forward in a successful way is to realign yourself to the mystery, to the mystery of things, to the unknown, to be safe, even if you don't know what's going to happen and to get into the energy of curiosity and excitement, you know, like Christmas morning, like, Ooh, I wonder what's going to happen today. Oh, I wonder how I'm going to pay my bills next month. Oh, I wonder, you know, it's like, Oh, I wonder how that's going to happen. And like more in that kind of playful, curious energy and trusting life, you know, that life is going to guide you towards the next synchronistic thing. And there's people that really have a struggle with that. Like they, they, they stay in the boring job that they hate for like 50 years, even though they hate it and it makes them not want to live. They still stay in that job. Oh, absolutely. Well, whenever we give, like there's research around this with around beliefs in God, as well as some political beliefs. But whenever you subscribe or give something or someone authoritarian, you hold them in an authoritarian power relative to you, that that keeps you in a fight or flight response. You know, you're constantly evaluating friend versus foe and it keeps you out of 
your frontal lobe and the parts of your brain that are more forward that are involved in compassion and tolerance and connection. And this one part is called your anterior cingulate cortex. And researchers call that the heart of your neurological soul. But when we're living in fear, we can't get there. If you're living in fear in your back brain or lower brain, your frontal lobes are shut down. You can't access your higher executive functions and you just can't access the parts that are further forward in your brain because you're too busy keeping yourself safe. And so, you know, this idea of connection and tolerance and togetherness is threatening for a lot of people like us versus them. You know, they're stuck in this us, us versus them and that's reinforced. And, you know, I think a lot about how we could design our hospitals and government buildings and schools and things like that to just automatically rewire the brain to be more connected. Like a lot of what I teach is something that you might, are, are things that you would, you're, would st- you would get naturally walking through the forest, for example. And how do we get, how do we integrate those things into our own urban and suburban lives when we're not getting the variety of nervous system stimuli that we really need to have more open and creative and collective thinking that serves all of us and brings us together instead of dividing us. Yeah. And what you're getting at is the intolerance, right? The intolerance that people have towards other perspectives that don't match their own. And then that's because of fear. That's because they're not able to access the part of the brain that has higher reasoning, has understanding, and they don't even see that their intolerance towards the other perspectives is completely irrational. They're very, very committed to those, you know, points of view and completely unwilling oftentimes to explore other potentials out of like big fear, right? I mean, there's dogmatic religious fear that was programmed into people, right? Absolutely. And so it's a big thing to think about how to unwire the collective, but then we're all living the astrology too. And so it's... The astrology is probably unwiring us. (laughs) Totally, right. And I think one thing that is being asked of us in a big way is to get a lot more comfortable with death and death is transformation. Yeah. Death is transformation. I like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're they're the same in esoteric systems. Their death and transformation are considered the same. And I love to talk about this through through the Egyptian myth of Isis and Osiris because Osiris got killed twice by his brother in the story and the second time chopped into pieces. And when I he and he started as the king of Egypt, and when I imagine that story, everybody probably thought his destiny was to be the king of Egypt. And he ultimately, after being killed the second time, went to go be king of the underworld, which was his true destiny. But he literally had to come apart to come back together in a new way. And we use dismemberment metaphors in our language all the time. We say we're falling apart, we can't get it together, our hearts are shattered, our lives are broken. And the magic is in letting it all go and seeing what's next. And it often takes a a real physical death of someone close to us to inspire us to change. We see that story all the time in the news with people starting foundations or they launches 
speaking careers or they write books and it just takes people, you know, they pass new laws and it, you know, that death creates a transformation. Yeah, because it frees up energy. It frees up energy that was tied to an expectation or a way of living or that you thought it had to be. And then as that energy gets released, now there's room for something different to come in. Absolutely. And we see this also in people that have had near-death experiences very often, that they are radically transformed afterwards. But how do we get that thing and let go of our old habits without having to have a near-death experience? That's the key, is to be able to reinvent yourself in the middle of the process, in the middle of the life, without having to die, actually physically die. Absolutely. And that's where working with the nervous system and changing and clarifying the inputs and outputs that you have within your nervous system can create can create a whole new output, a whole new you. And when our threat buckets are full, we are reacting in very reflexive ways. You have to be able to empty your threat bucket so that you have the bandwidth to get to the place of tolerance and togetherness. And a lot of these nervous system techniques are ones that are very similar to ancient traditions like Qigong. Qigong has so many movement patterns, Tai Chi, so many movement patterns that are very similar to what we now call nervous system regulation. You know, it's kind of like as we get across that fear threshold, then all of a sudden everything starts to make sense. Like from these Eastern traditions and astrological traditions, shamanic traditions, everything makes sense in a totally different way. And it literally is like upside down world. When you go back and look the old way, it's like, wow, that was really upside down to think about things that way. But when people are living in upside down world, you think it's that's normal or that's the way it is, but you're completely not doing well. Like you're not actually happy. You're not filled with compassion. No, but you will, you would, you know, we would, yes, humans would rather be, would rather keep their dysfunction because the nervous system says that's safe. It's predictable than to change the dysfunction. It takes a lot of it's of energy at a very physical m- metabolic level to create a different output and to rewire those beliefs. And sometimes even when we really try to do it, we often overdose ourselves. And so then we have a reaction that just we end up falling right back into the old pattern because the change was too much. Yeah, this is where Latsu's wisdom about, you know, water wears away the hard, you know, over time gently. I don't have the exact quote, but that was, you know, Latsu was like, yeah, water is a really good ally, you know, just kind of gently lap it away, you know, like a river. <laughs> yes. You yes. don't want to push well, the ego too fast, too hard, because then it it recoils and it backlashes and then it knocks you out of a program that you were in and you're like, oh, I can't do this. And then later on you go, whoops, that was my ego. You know, stuff like that. Absolutely. And when you work with the nervous, because change at the level of the nervous system is instant, the working, really understanding that you can work with a minimum effective dose with just the smallest amount that starts to create change and that you can be your own scientific experiment because our nervous systems are all different. Our trauma histories are all different. And even if we had, there's some similar patterns, the, you know, like the way that we embody the stress and trauma is different. And so if I'm taking somebody 
say if I'm asking somebody to inhale into the backside of their heart to help to decompress their vagus nerve there, I might have them assess their neck rotation to see how far they go or to do their trunk rotation to each side or see how far they can lift their shoulders up next to their ears or you know stand on one foot and see how long they can do that. We create some kind of objective pre-test, do the exercise for a few repetitions, and then do a post-test to make sure that their nervous system to make sure that that exercise created safety in their nervous system and that they did not react to it like a threat. And it could be that, you know, five repetitions of an exercise is fine for the nervous system, but 10 becomes a threat. It's individualistic, right? It's very very individual. And so, you know, and sometimes we need to create safety by taking a towel and rubbing our feet just to ground ourselves and give, you know, and that as a, as an exercise, clarifies the detail of the map in your brain about where your feet are. And it creates safety. So you do some very, uh, we call them high payoff drills, you do some things that are very safe. And then when you've established safety, then you can move on to maybe doing visual and vestibular drills. And like EMDR, that's very commonly used in psychotherapy, is one way of regulating the nervous system through eye movements. But there's more that can be done beyond EMDR. And sometimes people that go through that get overdosed and don't realize it. Mm -hmm. And so really understanding your dose for your nervous system and hitting that sweet spot is really important for the transformation. And it's really important for you to be able to change your story. Yeah, yeah, and being careful with the words because we're like 70% water or something like that and water collects conducts electricity and consciousness and words are vibration. So, you know. Oh, words there is research that the words that first responders like EMTs and uh, emergency room physicians use with patients determines life and death outcomes. Wow. Yeah, that's powerful. It's true. Uh so powerful. Melly, like you're the the wisdom you have in this is deep deep wisdom. (laughs) How can people get started with you to know more about what you're doing and to get a sense of this at a, you know, more bites of this more, more. Yes. Well, I think probably the, the easiest thing for right now is to check out my Instagram that is embody your star. And I'm getting ready to launch an astrology based nervous system regulation membership. So uh, I don't have the link for that right now, but if you check out my Instagram, it will have all the all the appropriate links. And I'm easy to find online otherwise. <laughs> That's awesome. Embody your star on Instagram. We'll put all the links below in the show notes and to all of Melanie's um, various places that she shows up uh, in the collective. And thank you so much for coming on the show. Is there any last bit of wisdom you want to share with people before we head out? Mm. My favorite proverb is from uh, a tribe in the Andes mountain. And they say that your future is behind you, propelling you forward. And your past is in front of you, waiting for you to make peace with it and clear your way. Oh, I love that. And I love the idea of the universe, that the universe has our back and that it's taking you where you need to be, that you don't need to go chase your future. Ah. How beautiful is that? I'm going to put that on my wall. That's gorgeous. Thank you for sharing that. 
And everybody, if you loved this interview with Melanie and you want to know more about her beautiful work, please like, share, subscribe, comment. We'll see the comments, whether you find the episode on YouTube or iTunes or Facebook or wherever you see it, Instagram, leave a comment. Let us know what you thought and give us a review. And we appreciate you. And we're going to give kisses. Do you want to help me give kisses to everybody? I always give kisses at the end of the episode. Okay, everybody, here comes your kisses. Love you. And everybody, we'll see you next time on Soul Nectar Show. Bye for now. If you found even one gold nugget in this episode of Soul Nectar Show, will you do us a favor? Will you subscribe, like, and share this episode? Maybe even write a comment and let us know what you thought about it. We really, really want to engage with you at a much deeper level. Let's be part of community together. Have a great week, everyone. Bye for now. To dive in deeper to nourishing conversation, visit soulnectar.show. Take a sip from the drip of nectar From the source of who you are